Welcome back to another episode of Chillin' with Ice. I'm your host, Lori Fetrick, better known as Ice Ice Baby. Hey, before we get started, I want to thank Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue and Joe Grande, the world's number one source for everything cannabis. If you're looking to hear great stories from people who work in the industry or just use cannabis as medicine and it has changed or saved their lives, Cannabis Talk 101 is a must-listen podcast. It's a must-listen to. You can hear the podcast wherever you get your podcast and check them all out on your social media at Cannabis Talk 101. You can also see their magazine at Cannabis, Mag- Cannabis Talk Magazine. Shit, let's say it. it's CannabisTalkMagazine.com. Damn, see? It's a little nerve-wracking, guys. Come on, it's a little new here. Anyway, let's get into this show. You know what? Today on this show, I am joined by Dr. Matt Chalmers. He is the founder of Aura, the man behind the Chalmers Wellness Lifestyle website and the Well Store line of supplements. Dr. Chalmers is a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and he has also designed some amazing supplements for some pretty big, amazing leading supplement brands. Hey, Dr. Matt Chalmers, thank you so much for coming on with Chilling with Ice today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Just getting settled in here. Little, little, uh, little new adventure. Hey, you're a chiropractor, aren't you? I am, yes. How long have you been a chiropractor? Since 07, so I 16 <laughs> years, long time, I guess. <laughs> You know, I will tell you this. If I had not been a gladiator, I would have went to chiropractic college. I would have been a chiropractor. I would have been doing everything that you're doing. I mean, it, I am fascinated by the chiropractic industry. It has saved me with a, within the gladiators. I mean, hitting the floor time and time again, knee issues, back issues, neck issues. I still see my chiropractor at least once every two weeks. You're doing an you amazing should. job. Yeah, they, it, it's fun. The chiropractic profession is really awesome because it's one of those things you get to see people get better real fast all the time. And so it's really rewarding. That's why so many chiropractors work until they're 90. It's because we just love what we do. So it's a really, really fun thing to get into. Well, I don't I, I, I think a lot of people have the misconception with chiropractors that, you know, they hear the crunch, they get scared and they don't want to go to the chiropractor. And it, to me, I have learned so much about the industry. I mean, and what you guys do is amazing because if your back is out of alignment, it affects so many things. If your neck is out of alignment, it affects like all the nerve endings in your body. And a lot of people don't understand that it's a wellness thing to go actually see a chiropractor and get adjusted. Correct? You know, oh yeah, it's a neurologic issue. So like whenever you have muscles that aren't working right and you get adjusted and they start working right again, it's because the way that the communication between the brain and those nerves through that to the muscles weren't working right. So like for instance, plantar fasciitis, carpal tunnel, frozen shoulder, scoliosis are all neurologic issues. They're super easy to fix as long as you just reset the brain's neurologic pathways. So there's a lot of things that this type of medicine, this type of healing really, really helps with. So what do you tell people that are, they have that fear of going to the chiropractor? I mean, what, what do you let them know and how do you take that fear away from them, let's say? Well, it, so I'm not a small human being. And so <laughs> when people come in and they see me, they're like, uh, and I'm like, before you, I, I worked on a four-day-old baby. And yesterday I worked on a hundred-year-old woman. So wow. 
you're okay. Don't worry. Nothing's going to, nothing bad happens. So it's a, it's a, it's not a, it's not a force thing. It's a speed and, and what we call line of drive or the way you do it technique that makes it safe. So, you know, lots of times people, they're like, okay, all right. And I, I tell them like, I have never had anybody get hurt in 16 years. Right. So, yeah. Are, are you serious? A four day old baby? Oh yeah. No. So, so when my kids were born, they came out, we adjusted them. They did tummy time. Wow. Oh yeah. So if you think about it, you're, you're cramped over that space the whole time. You have to reset the whole body so that it can suckle properly. So it can move around properly. So like cranial reshaping. So when my son was born, he looked like a Klingon. He had this <laughs> giant cranial. Oh, it's hilarious. He looked like this he had this giant cranial ridge. And so I hired a, a pediatric specialist who come in and just reshape his skull. And now he has a perfectly round head because he's following my genetic path. So he's <laughs> going to need a perfectly round head. <laughs> okay. Tell me about the hundred. How old was the oldest woman you've worked on? Uh, I've worked on a couple of people in their late nineties and a couple that are just over a hundred years old. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's like I said, it's technique and that type of thing. And you know, those people are fun. Uh, to work with because they have so much information, but, uh, yeah, it's it, the, it, even with osteoporosis, stuff like that, as long as you do it right, you're not going to hurt people. I was just going to go there a little bit of osteoporosis. I, that would be a little, mm, I want to say fearful of going there, I guess, because of the fact that possibly their bones are so brittle at that point in time. I mean, do you, I mean, do you do any testing or anything like that when it comes to older people when it's like that? No, you just assume that their bones are made of paper mache at that point. And so you should, like literally like I'm going to be super duper gentle and you, you use less, you use less force. You just, there's tools we can use like activators and like that. I use what's called directed pressure sometimes to reset the neurology. And so it releases that what we need to, but you know, sometimes you got to use an actual osseous adjustment on these people and they're fine. Like the amount of force you're actually using is so low that it's not going to do that much damage. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not that big of a deal. And you also, um, after doing um, a bunch of research and everything on you personally, you have you have a very strong passion for women's health, the hormones. Um, yeah. I mean, gut health, you name it. Tell me a little bit about what you do for females with their hormone levels, and when do you actually start this? Is it in menopause, before menopause? Well, long before menopause. Okay. Long before menopause. I, I, I've trusted women who are in their twenties who need their hormones reset. Interesting. So, well, we, we have these, I've had a lot of women who, since they were 11 years old, have been on estrogen-based birth control. Mm. And so their hormones are all screwed up. High, high stress. So they're going to have low testosterone function. They feel miserable. They're tired all the time. And they come in, they're like, I'm 25 and I feel like I'm 100. Mm -hmm. And you pull their hormones, you check it, and you're like, this is what it is. The, the problem we get into is that a lot of people look at, especially testosterone, let's just play on testosterone for a second. People look at adding testosterone to the body as cheating or as drugs or as whatever. Testosterone is a very hypercritical nutrient the body has to have. Mm -hmm. So if you're not making enough, you have to take it. Mm -hmm. Just like D3. D3 is not a vitamin. It's a hormone. The mm -hmm. definition of vitamin is, is essential nutrient that cannot be made in the body. D3 is made in the body. It cannot be a vitamin. So the way it works in the body is basically it's a hormone. So those levels need to be held at a very specific level. And if they're not, the body just does not run right. So if you're at 20 or you're at 50 and your testosterone, it's not where it's supposed to be. You, we need to change that level and get you back to a healthy level. And, and it's, I love that you're talking about this because I know a lot of people that are on antidepressants and all these different medications when 
to be honest with you, for me, I'm thinking your hormones are probably just out of whack. And just by fixing and getting into those hormone balancing, let's get you off those antidepressants. You know, um, like prime example, um, my girlfriend, for instance, has had chronic anxiety her whole life. Had no idea why. You know, they were putting her on birth control. They were, ta- you know, all trying all these different things. And they wanted to actually put her on an antidepressant. Well, then she found out her own, her mother actually went into menopause when she was uh, roughly around 38. So she went here in California to my hormone doctor, had her hormones, you know, all her blood work pulled. Come to find out her body was trying to go into menopause at 42, you know. And so the doctor put her on some testosterone. Ever since she's been on that testosterone, her anxiety has vanished. It's yeah. Testosterone was first synthesized in 1935 to treat depression. That's why we started making it. So, so wh- let me ask you this real fast then, because I want you to go with that train of thought. But at the same time, I know that the government is, every doctor I hear, they're, they're trying to take the testosterone off the market. You know, they're trying to do this or trying to do that. It's like, why? Why would they try? Well, why would they do that? Well, I kind of, um, I'm going to I don't know why they're doing it. I don't want to say why, but I can tell you what will happen if you don't have testosterone. We need to take drugs for erectile dysfunction. We need to take drugs for anxiety and depression, osteoporosis, gut function, brain function. The, the body doesn't work without testosterone. So, you so were if you don't have it, question. it's not going to work, yeah. and you're going to have to take other things to cover up the symptoms of your body just not working right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I guess we can all try to figure that one out on mm-hmm. our own. Pharmaceutical companies? I mean, probably. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know. That's, you know, you take a billion dollars out of somebody's budget, I think they're going to get pissy. Exactly. So they're going to want to take the testosterone off the market. Absolutely. It's, it's insane. And the, ex, the other thing that they try to scare women on is the, um, the breast cancer issue. You know, and I know it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but at the same time, a lot of the doctors, the, the normal, typical doctors, they're like, oh, absolutely do not touch, you know, hormones. It's not good for you. It can cause cancer. And I'll be honest with you. I asked my OBGYN right off. I said, are these hormones, you know, bad for me? He's like, only if they're unbalanced. And I was like, makes total sense. He goes, they would rather have you guys on antidepressants. And it's just like unbelievable. So well, I... It- as far as cancer goes, the only time we have to worry about cancer with a woman is if you give her estrogen or progesterone. If you give mm-hmm. her testosterone, there's, no, there's nothing that's going to con- increase cancer risk with testosterone. Now, here's the thing. People go, well, hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, those are estrogen issues. That is true. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Testosterone converts into estrogen. Mm-hmm. So the vast majority of women, if you give them the right amount of testosterone, it will convert to estrogen and they will not have any hot flashes, night sweats, or vaginal dryness. So just give them the testosterone. That's all they need. Just a little bump. Just that little, little bump bit. of testosterone. Well, then the other thing I actually also is um, DHEA. That converts to testosterone in females, correct? It will, but not at the levels you're going to want it to. Because the problem is that a lot of the lab ranges are wrong. The lab mm-hmm. range for D3 is wrong. The lab range for testosterone in women is wildly wrong. So, like, in my own personal, like, working with women, I always found that women really felt the best between 150 and 250. And so as long as they were in that range, they were fantastic. We have some other women who like it a little bit higher. I'm, but a, that's, I'm one of those women. <laughs> yeah. But, so that's, but that's usually where we find it. And I was just like, man, this is so weird. I, this is what I found with these hundreds of women. And then I started reading the research on it. And the research is actually coming back now and saying 150 to 250 is the optimal range mm-hmm. for women. 
That's where they get their energy. That's where their mental clarity comes back. It's where their insanity goes away. Their, you know, orgasm function returns, like, and they like sex again and they want it. And so all of a sudden the whole marriage is happier. So, yeah, it's a great thing. It, it, it really is. And, it, and it's so, so many couples I could go, do you know what your wife needs? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And the, just... the amount of people who've come back in my practice have been like, you saved our marriage. Like the fun oh, yeah. is back in our marriage. Like, yeah. I'm, I, like we're, we're in love again. Like it's at least 40, 50% of the people that with, if they're couples, when we work on their hormones, it's at least half of them come back and tell me that. It's very true. It, same thing in my relationship, to be quite honest with you. And, and when you're in the relationships for, let's go longer than five years, because that's when the lull starts, obviously, is after the five-year mark. But if, you're, if your hormones are good and the women are, you know, yes, if the women are taking the testosterone just a little bit if they need it, then you're never going to have that lull, you know. And it's, God, it's just, it really is an amazing thing. And I am, I, if, I could, if I could take one woman at a time, and this is reality, Every woman I talk to and we get on the subject of hormones or sex or whatever it would be, it would be like testosterone. That's exactly yeah. what you need. And they're just like, oh, I don't know. That's a man's drug. And, and then I spend another 15, 20 minutes kind of trying to educate them a little bit on why you need this. Your body already has it. It's probably just low or it's non-existent. You know, I mean, yep. when I got my levels checked, when I would think I was probably around, I'm going to guess 40 at that point in time. My doctor went, you're, it's on the floor. It's almost gone. And I was like, and I feel that way. You get very cloudy too. Clarity. Yeah. You said clarity. And yeah. women don't think that. They think that's a natural thing. Oh, yeah. The amount of women I talk to, because here's the thing. Higher stress and lower tests go together. Testosterone and stress are inversely proportionate. It's the more stress you have, the more fight flight you have, the less parasympathetic function, the less testosterone you create. So if you're stressed out, your test is top bottomed out. So I take all these women who are really stressed out and we'll run them on testosterone. They're like, oh my gosh, okay, it's better now. Things are okay. And so yeah, every woman, that's one of the things that everyone needs to get checked on a regular basis is where's your, where are your hormones at? But we don't check that as part of our normal medical protocols. And that's why everybody feels like hell. It's very true. And they, and a lot of them are just afraid to go to the doctor, which is another thing that blows my mind. Absolutely yeah. blows my mind. It's like, do you want to have this checked? Well, why should I have it checked? I feel eh. I'm like, eh, that's it. No, 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 no. Um, one of the things I want to get to, um, we're going to touch on when we come back right now. And um, I want to touch on uh, when I was doing gladiators and I was hitting the floor and I had neck issues and I had back issues. And the doctor told me, here's some Vicodin. I mean, that was like one of the things. Like, right? here's your Vicodin. When we come back, Dr. Chalmers, I want to know if they weren't recommending Vicodin to me, what would you recommend to me? So right. we're going to hear about that right when we come back. Welcome back to Chillin' with Ice. And I want to thank Cannabis Talk 101. Give a little shout out. Um, I, before we get back with Dr. Chalmers, I want everybody to know that you can go to my Patreon account, which is Patreon at Chillin' with Ice. Um, it's a great little thing. I mean, I have my private Facebook page there. You get all the, uh, <laughs> I have some pretty cool photos that are my own personal photos that I actually put on my Facebook. So that's kind of a cool thing. You get an uninterrupted podcast on my Patreon. And the other thing I'd like you to check out is my t-shirt line and it is icetshirts.com. You can get strong AF. You can get chilling with ice. You can actually get a couple of gladiator shirts there. <laughs> 
Anyway, let's get back to Dr. Matt Chalmers and Dr. Matt Chalmers. Uh, let's go back into that question that I had for you. And that is when I was doing gladiators and they were handing out Vicodin like it was candy. Okay. Cause you know, we were hurt and everything. What would you as a professional, what would you have recommended to me rather than the Vicodin? 100% cannabis. There's, there's nothing that's going to be better for you than cannabis. Cannabis is better for you than alcohol. And like I did a whole TED talk on, you know, ending the opioid epidemic using sublingual cannabis because you can dose it. It's easy to use. You, it's not going to kill you. You can't smoke yourself or take cannabis to the point where it's going to kill you. It's actually not that addictive. But Vicodin and opioids are all those things. They're very deadly. They're very addictive. And they're terrible for your system no matter what. So without a doubt, it would be cannabis every day. So what about some of the people that are so freaked out about, I mean, my mom, for instance, um, she's got, she's got scoliosis. She's got a really, really bad lower back. And I have said, you know, mom, why don't you do some of the CBD oils? And yes, it's going to have a little THC in it because that helps activate it and it helps it make it to where it's going to take that pain away. You know, and I get this, oh, Lori, I don't know. I am so afraid. And I remember, and she does this to me. I remember back in the day when you and your father, you know, were, we were at a bar and we smoked a little joint and we got really high. And I mean, she went back to that time. You know what I mean? It wasn't the, the, the medical marijuana. It was back in the back alley smoking a joint. <laughs> a little different, you know. But a tad I mean, bit. yeah, so I mean, how would you, I mean, if my mom were sitting here in front of you, I guess my question is, is how would you explain that to her? Well, so dose means a whole lot. So for instance, if you have a shot of vodka, most people aren't drunk. If mm -hmm. you have nine shots of vodka, most people now are drunk. So it's how much are you taking in? And so it's one of those things where people, because there's a small lag, even when you're smoking with cannabis, you smoke, well, you take a drag and you go, oh, I don't feel anything. You take another one, oh, I don't feel anything. And you keep doing that and 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, wow, now it all hit me and I'm really, really high. Don't <laughs> do that. If you just want it to not make me you hurt, take a little bit, a single hit, you know, a little, a weak gummy, something like that. You'll be fine. So don't, you don't have to, you don't have to smoke the whole blunt to get, you know, your, your back to quit early. So what you're trying to say is it's not that high school puff, puff, pass, puff, puff, pass, and all of a sudden you go, oh, shit. <laughs> well, it depends on what your goal is. Like, so it's funny because, like, I have, <clears throat> I have pretty much stopped drinking. Like, the last time I was down there with, with all the guys, like, a little bit of Indica, and I am a very happy man. I don't need tequila. I don't need alcohol anymore. Uh, and I've always told people I'm pissed that I didn't, that everybody told it alcohol is okay, but cannabis is not when I was in college. Right. But that's, that's why everybody's so worried about it. Mm -hmm. For 40, 50 years, our government has spent millions of dollars telling everybody that if you consume cannabis, one, you're a horrible person. Only losers do it. You know, you're never going to be productive. It's you're a not going to make any money. <laughs> it's a gateway to everything else, which I mean. I think a lot of us have played with the other stuff and we're like, no, no, this is not the same as we're going to stay in this field, not go over there. So, no, it's we've been lied to tremendously by mm. our government. And so that's the big thing. So we've convinced everybody we've built in their heads that cannabis equals bad. And so now we're like, hey, uh, what do you think about cannabis for, for medical? Mm -hmm. They go, no, cannabis bad. Because that's all they know. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important that we get the TED Talk out. That's why it's so important that we start having this conversation again and go, guys, your opinions are based on lies and really, really bad information. Because it's funny because I tell people the government told you that. And they go, you're right. And I go, 
uh, did you know that sometimes the government lies to you? They're like, no. And people like, look at me like I'm a jerk. They're like, yes. of course I know that. And I'm like, well, then maybe this is one of those things they didn't say that was true. So Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe. The fun thing is that, like, from a, I was like, it's healthy for you. And they go, what are you talking about? Here's the thing. Your brain would not work without the endocannabinoid system. We didn't figure that out until about 20 years ago, researching cannabis. And so the thing is, is that the reason that seizures stop happening when you consume cannabis is that it actually improves the neurologic function and the threshold to firing actually rises because it's now a healthier system. It got more cannabinoids for your endocannabinoid system to play with. That's one of the big reasons that it helps calm that down. So, yeah, it's it, we should be using a lot more of it than we are. It, it's, it's just like you said, it's the stigma of it. You know, I, I personally, I was the same thing. I, um, I used to smoke as, as a kid. I, everybody knows that, you know, I was the high school, you know, backyard going down the street smoking, but I was also the pup, pup, pass kind of thing. And I think I had one bad experience when I was 28 because same thing, pup, pup, pass too many times. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God. So I stopped using for many, many years, but yet at the same time, my lower back, my neck, everything was hurting. It was just, I didn't want to take, you know, the, uh, I didn't want to take the opioids. I didn't want to take the Vicodins any longer, you know? And yes, you're absolutely right. The Vicodin, I started having to not take a half, but I had to take a whole. And then after the whole, it went to a, a whole, you know, one and a half, and then it went to two. And the coming down from the Vicodin, and this is what it did for me, interesting enough, gave me such a massive headache that it made, for me personally, it made it not worth taking the Vicodin. Most people would have just never come down and continued on. But then when I started the cannabis, and I'll be honest, it was like I would take one hit and wait. I waited an hour. I didn't wait 20, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, it does kick in fast, but I still waited that one hour. And sometimes it was just perfect. You know, yep. and that's what people have to understand. And even when they're taking the gummies, you're right. Start off small. Start off little. Start off, you know, to where it's like you're not going to, you know, have that couch lock and, and the, the, uh, some of the experiences that you know, people, people. Here's the thing. Come on. One of, if one is good, everybody thinks, you know, some of these people are 10 or better. That's, Correct. That's the problem. That's the problem. You know. Yeah. So. So do, dose it out properly and you're good. So. But the funny thing is, is that we talk about pain all the time. And it was funny because, so with Aura, what we're doing is we're using ketamine to break PTSD and addiction, and we're doing lots of mental health work, and it's amazing stuff. But I was in my therapy office because we have psychotherapists who are doing this as well, and I was explaining to one of them why I like cannabis so much. And it's, it's, it's a new thing. We all found out that I have PTSD from a car wreck. Uh, and I was talking to one of our therapists. I was like, here's the reason I like cannabis so much. And go, it quiets down the buzz that's in my head. I'm much nicer to myself. The things I say to myself in my head are much nicer. And I just feel like I can relax and breathe. Like there's not all this crazy stress pressure has just calmed down. And as I'm, as I'm going through all these things, I'm looking at Holly and she's just got this big smile on her face. And I was like, okay, I get it. I have PTSD and I'm self-medicating, but that's just what we're doing. And that's when I realized that a lot of the people that I know who love cannabis because it finally takes the edge off and allows their brain and their body to calm down and breathe. It's because we have PTSD and we didn't know it. So all those people need ketamine, but here's the thing. You can consume cannabis and go about your daily life and manage your PTSD all on your own, all your stress, all your anxiety. You can manage on your own. 
because we know that cannabis shuts down the amygdala in the brain, which is fear, hate, anger, and terror. Well, when you're talking about PTSD as well, a lot of people only associate that with like severe, severe, severe trauma. Well, it doesn't have to be severe, severe trauma with PTSD. Am I correct? I mean, it correct. Can, okay. so that's one of the things, I mean, people don't associate. They're like, well, I don't have PTSD. And it's like, hmm, really? <coughs> Do you So not? the way that, <laughs> so, so again, I am not a psychologist and this is going to piss a bunch of psychologists off. <laughs> that's However, okay. the, the way that I have looked at it is that all trauma ends up giving you PTSD. Because what happens is that if that trauma is hard enough, what it does is it turns the sympathetic nervous system up. It turns that fight flight thing up. Mm -hmm. And so we all get a little bit more buzzy, a little bit more edge or on edge. We get a little bit more anxious, like as it turns up. Mm -hmm. And the way that we break that is with psychedelics and ketamine and stuff like that to flush that back out and turn that dial back down. We have a lot of moms who have kids they got to worry about, husbands they got to worry about, the house, you know, they've got 25 things to do and only time to do 10 of it. And that constant daily stress adds up over time. Mm -hmm. And so those people also have a form of trauma that they're living with on a daily basis. And they're also dealing with yesterday's past trauma. So it's kind of their own PTSD. So when we talk about depression and trauma, creating longing, long life problems, this is what we're actually talking about. So, and this is on your TED talk, basically. I mean, these are the different things that you're actually going over with the TED talk. So as on, far the, as the on, the, on the TED talk, that was about using cannabis yeah, instead medical. of um, for medical. The, mm -hmm. the, so what happened with this is kind of a funny story. So I was getting ready for my TED talk and my business partner comes in and he was like, hey, man, he was like, you did a great thing. He was like, you figured out how to, how to take care of all the pain with the sublingual cannabis thing. He was like, that's great. And he was like, hey. He's like, now you just got to figure out the addiction thing and you got this whole thing licked. And I was like, thanks. Thanks for, you know, I was all happy and you're like, oh, you're not done yet. And so I was like, all right, but I'm that guy. Like I'm the guy you bring all your weird problems to. And I figure out like, that's what I do. Like I'm, I'm the guy that everybody sends their patients to when they can't figure out what's wrong with them. And so I start researching it and we've known how to break addiction and we've known how to treat PTSD and uh, uh, depression, all these things since the sixties. What happened in the sixties is that while we were using psychedelics, you know, lysergic acid, which is LSD, uh, psilocybin, which is the mushrooms, all these type of things. We did this amazing research. And then in 67, the World Health Organization moved psychedelics, all of them, mm -hmm. to a schedule one, which means you can't even do research with them. Mm -mm. But we knew all the research that we're using is from the 60s. Mm -hmm. And so as it's come forward, we've been like, oh, my gosh, guess what? Ketamine does it, too. Well, here's the fun thing with ketamine. Ketamine's the number one drug used for pediatrics. There is, it says w, CDC, WHO have to have everywhere because it's so safe. Well, they can't get rid of it and they can't make us not use it. And so that's what we're using to fix all these people. And so it's been really, really fun with the stuff we've been able to do so far. I mean, people, people tell me that they were going to kill themselves. They, they started doing the ketamine therapy and it gave them hope that there was hope. And now they don't have any PTSD. I mean, amazing stories on this stuff. It's just, it's spectacular. How long does it actually take once you get them on this like say the, you know, um, the program, how long does it usually take for this to start taking effect and really see a difference in their life? So I'll tell you this story. So I had a guy come to me and he told me, I, I, I spoke at a big thing and I talked about ketamine and this guy comes up afterwards. He's a veteran. And he said, ketamine saved my life. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, I was, I had it all planned out. He was like, I was going to kill myself on a Saturday. 
He's like, on that Wednesday, one of my buddies asked me to go do ketamine with him because he didn't want to do it alone. And he looks at me and he was like, I mean, come on, what's it going to do? Kill me? And I was like, that's super awkward. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I had that he's planned like, already. Yeah. So, so what happened was, yeah, yeah, he 100% had that joke planned before he said anything. But so what ended up happening is he said, he goes, it didn't fix me. He goes, but it took 20% away. He was like, and that 20% gave me hope that there was hope I'd be okay. He's like, so 10 sessions later, he was like, I feel amazing. And so some of these guys, it's 10 sessions. Some of it's, it's two. Some of it's, you know, one of those things where we do five or six. And then, you know, a year later, we have to do some more. It just kind of depends on the person. Because the other problem you have to understand is that if we were able to wipe away all the bad things that happened to you in the past 30 years, you're still alive. You're still going to be around people. Bad things are still going to happen. Stress is still going to happen. So that we turn the dial down and sometimes it starts turning itself back up. Because mm. again, it doesn't have to be being shot at. It doesn't have to be our first responders seeing the worst things in the world. It can just be your life is crazy hard and there's lots of stress with the bills and inflation and people you know. and it's, it, You get lots thrown at you and too much of it sticks. So that's the reason. It's not that, they, that we didn't fix the problem. It's you got new problems. That's yeah. why we had to go back and do it again. I don't think people understand how much stress they're putting on and on a daily basis. And we're going to take a break for a moment. And when we get back, what I really want to talk to you about it also real quick is there is absolutely no real mental health care in this country yet. And I know that you want to, you're working on changing that. So stay with us and we'll be right back with Dr. Matt Chalmers. Before we get into our final segment, I want to actually let everybody know about some upcoming appearances and events that I've got going on. Um, you can find me at the Mary, it's Maryland, uh, Baltimore, it's the Toy Show. And myself and Laser, we're gonna be there November 4th. We're gonna be signing autographs, selling some merch. You can come out, get, grab some autographs, grab some photos. We're going to have a really good time. And I believe that's a Saturday and we're going to be there from like um, probably like 10 in the morning till about six at night. And then after that, um, I believe we're going to, it looks like we're going to be at the LA Comic-Con event, which is going to be pretty exciting. And I believe that's December 1st through the 3rd. And yeah, those are the two definite appearances we got coming up real soon here. Um, so, Dr. Matt Chalmers, I'm super excited about talking with you about this final segment, and that is, man, we do not have any kind of health care, mental health care in this country whatsoever going on, and that's why there are so many people out there that are homeless living on the streets. I know they took it away. I forgot what year it was. I believe was it Reagan or somebody was president, and they, they took away all the facilities and everything, but it's, it's bad. It's got, especially here in California. Um, I saw a lot of it in New York over the weekend when I was there at the Comic-Con, and I know that you've got some things going on right now. So tell me about how you plan on helping with that, the mental health crisis here in our country. So we're working with Aura Health, O-O-R-A dot health. Uh, and what we're doing is we're using ketamine to break down uh, depression, PTSD, anxiety, uh, addictions, um, all sorts of things. Uh, and so what we're, we're pairing that with psychotherapy. So what you end up doing is you go to the website, you fill out this whole, whole stuff, you talk to a psychotherapist, a counselor, they kind of explain the process to you, the whole deal. You get your, you then talk to your medical provider, um, at one of our, one of our team and we get the, the telemed medicine dealt with. Then we're bringing people in to do IV ketamine therapy for the first two, so we can monitor your blood pressure, your heart rate, you know, those type of things, nausea, that type of thing, get you the medications you need, and then you either continue 
IV in office or you continue at home with oral uh, trochies of ketamine. But each after the first, third and fifth, you're getting psychotherapy. And so the therapists tell you, hey, think of these things as you go through this. If you see if you have, you know, repressed memories that come out, here's how you need to deal with them. Here's what we're going to talk about the next time. And so we'll do EMDR work. We'll do all sorts of different work and what we call the golden hour, which is right afterwards because your, your mind is very, very open to being um, malleable. It's very malleable so we can kind of put it back where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So you can do this without a therapist or without a guide. It's just a lot of people, are they don't get everything they need to out of it. So that's what we're doing for mental health care right now. And then we're working with a couple of different technologies I can't talk about yet. They're going through the FDA. Um, that's going to help us to be able to diagnose this in a much, much faster, much easier way. Um, but we, we're going to be able to, as we're growing out, we're partnering with therapist office and medical doctor's offices and chiropractic offices. And, you know, whoever has a bunch of patients that need this, this work, we're going to partner with them, bring those people in, have a place where people can come online and find that spot to come work at. So we're going to grow as fast as we can because, like we talked about, we don't have mental health care in this country. Mm-mm. Using SSRIs and things like that's not helping. So mm-hmm. the ketamine and the psychedelics are going to be the, the big new wave of the future. That in the next two or three years, that's all we're going to be seeing for mental health. You're out. You're out in Texas, correct? Correct. How is the home? To- I was just going to say, in, in Texas, I mean, do you have as much as we have in California as far as like the homeless, the mental, the mental health issues, the the drug addictions? I mean, obviously everybody. Oh, it's it's such a hard thing to figure out. It's like some of these people on the streets are mental health, drugs, the economy. You know, I mean, it's everything combined. Is it as bad in Texas as it is here in Cali? I mean, or so is it just we have better it's weather? It's bad here. <laughs> so here, that's that, that's by honestly, like people like to throw all the politics around. The politics are, you know, politics do make a big difference, but. It's 110 degrees here in the summer. If you're outside, you're going to die. So, I mean, you're just not going to be. And then when it's cold here, it is unbelievably cold. Like the city freezes, your pipes and your ceiling burst. So it gets way too hot and way too cold here. So I think that's really why we don't have as many homeless people. But, you know, plus we're busing them everywhere. But uh, the uh, it is something that we see and it is really, really bad because of a lot of times it's mental health. And that's that's the big thing we've got to turn around and kind of try to fix. So the and most of the time it goes from the mental health it goes into the drugs, obviously. Am correct. Because correct? they're self medicating. Right. So because when your life is hell, you put medication on top of it, drugs, opioid, whatever, and you go, oh, I feel better for a little bit. But if we can dial down that PTSD, dial down that trauma response, all of a sudden you're going to feel a lot better all the time and not need the drugs. I mean, here's my question though. It's like. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I love what you're doing. Absolutely love what you're doing. And hopefully that's really going to help so many people. But have you encountered some people that just really don't want the health help and they just want to stay on the streets? They don't yeah. want to be under any kind of observation. They don't, they don't want to be under any kind of like, well, if you live in, okay, like for instance, we have tiny homes here. I mean, we have like, you know, certain parks they've made for the homeless population and they're like tiny homes, tiny parks, but there are rules. There are rules if you're going to live in these tiny homes. And a lot of them are just like, screw it. I don't, I don't, don't, don't want rules. Don't want to go down that path. And so I'll live on the street instead. I mean, have you encountered some people that just really just don't want the help and they think they're either okay or, I mean, what's your observation on this? 
I haven't spent a whole lot of time with, with, with that group of homeless. It usually mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, Hey, if you don't want help, have a nice day. Right. Like I tell that to people all the time. People come in, they like, Oh my gosh, I got so much better. You helped me so much. Like you made me better. And I'm like, no, no, no. I told you what to do. You did 80% of the work. Mm-hmm. You took the supplements. You did the exercises. You, you know, you worked on your mental work. You did the work. You got better. Mm-hmm. If people are like, I am happy with the lifestyle I have right now. You can't force them to do something different. And so that's the thing. Like a lot of people will look at the homeless we have here and go, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you. The homeless we have have a much nicer life than a lot of other people in the rest of the planet. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's, do you want my help? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you want my help, call me. I know. So that's usually what I've been doing. They have cell phones. They, you know, some of them are actually getting government assistance. I mean, so it's not as absolutely terrible as, you know, people might think that it is. But my next question is, is, is if you are helping these people with your program, are you helping them financially to go through your program or how does that work? So we also have a charity, so citizenminds.org. Um, and what we're doing is we're focusing on veterans and first responders. So everybody's heard about that our veterans are killing themselves at a ridiculous rate. Mm-hmm. However, what people don't know is that the next biggest group are first responders. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, those paramedics, those firefighters who have to go fish the three-year-olds out of pools, mm-hmm. who have to go see the burned bodies, who have to see all the gunshot wounds, and have to see all this stuff, all the car wrecks, like they have tremendous amounts of psychological trauma on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Now they signed up for it, you know, which makes them angels and amazing human beings. But at the other end of it, we've still got to go through and help those guys. They helped us. We're going to help them. So mm-hmm. my charity is dedicated to putting those guys through this so that we can start trying to knock off some of the PTSD they got protecting us. I want to hook you up with actually uh, one of my friends that he became a good friend of mine and he has been on the police force for, I think, 25, 30 years, something like that. And it was interesting. He came out and he told me that they do once a year and I think it's for like three months and it's for all of, like you said, first responders and they're all the um, the cops around the country for PTSD. I mean, because of what they see, what they deal with, and it's over time. You know, and it's like if they think they're not going to see it or be in that involved in that, they're they're going to hear it. You know, that all these different things. And so it, it, I didn't realize they did this, but they actually do it for two to three months here in California once a year, and they grab that group. But I definitely meant what you're talking to me about. I definitely want to hook you up with him and see if there's anything that you guys can actually do together. Because if they, if they have this out there and you have some, you know, a program that will help these guys as well, that would be a great hookup. Well, I'm hoping that we can get Aura in all 50 states within the next year. So uh, we've got a couple of states that have already asked, like people who are in the states, infusion centers, doctor's offices, doctor groups, therapy groups, who've come to us and asked, hey, Will you come do a partnership with us? And so we will. Um, California's on the list. We've got a couple of doctors groups down there who are looking to do it. So we could easily get together and start, you know, running some ketamine for these for these uh, officers and these first responders out there. Because that's, you know, like I said, that's that's where the really fun stuff happens. Yeah. So because you get to put families back together. I always tell people, you, there's there's two things I tell my my my, my team. One. There are going to be people who kill themselves and commit suicide because we didn't get to them in time. Mm. So we need to build fast and we build, need to build now. And the other thing is, is that, you know, you don't fix a person, you fix a family. Mm-hmm. Because once you fix the dad or the mom who's had all these psychological issues, now all of a sudden the entire family gets better. Mm-hmm. Because when they see somebody who was, you know, losing it because their stress was so bad and all of a sudden they're chill and they're relaxed, 
it decreases the amount of anxiety in the entire family. Because mm-hmm. we've, we've talked to the kids and some of these dads who were just like always on edge. When they calm down, the kids were like, the house is so much happier. Well, they're not like, afraid. Just, we laugh more. <laughs> we're, oh, yeah, they're not afraid. Exactly. Like, we laugh more. We have a great time. Uh-huh. And so that's why I tell them, like, we're not saving people. We're saving families. So that's why it's so important to get these guys fixed because, you know, it's not just the family they go home to. Right. It's the family that the, of, of the police and the firefighters they hang out with because those, you know, that's their community. Mm-hmm. And so if we can make them happier, make them feel better, we're going to get better as we go along. And th- the fact that we've apparently, not in Texas, but from what I'm reading in other states, a group, the government's kind of told the cops that they don't like them very much. That is not helping morale. It's not helping with their stress. No, not at all whatsoever. I yeah. mean, come on. Here in California, they wanted to like 86 them. I mean, yeah. and get rid of them. It's like, come on. What, what, uh, it's don't even, don't even make me go down that road. <laughs> it's, it's worked great for San Francisco from what I'm seeing in Texas. Yeah, right. Oh my God. Well, okay. So, for instance, I just got back from New York. And I mean, that's, uh, you hear the horror stories and everything. I mean, but at the same time, it's like the media makes it out so terrible, you know? And it's not always, it's not always true what's happening, but at the same time, what you're doing, Dr. Chalmers, you're amazing. And thank you. I mean, there, if there was more people out there that are doing what you're doing and really helping these communities and, and helping with the PTSD. And I mean, you got your hands in a lot and I love that. The women's health, I mean, the hormones, the, your chiropractor. And if I remember right, also a uh, doctor for the Cow- Dallas Cowboys. Am I correct? Uh, I work with a bunch of the Cowboys, you not officially with, the, with okay. the Cowboys. But, but yeah, I work with a bunch of ex-Cowboys. So, yeah. See, I do a lot awesome. of work with the guys. Once they get done with the NFL, they come to me to do – because I do these large tests like, do you have metabolic syndrome? How do we fix that? Where are your hormones, your concussion profiles? Because I'm a neurologist as well. So I'll go through and fix the you know some of the neurology things. But, yeah, so we, we work with a lot of those guys. Um, can, I but it's, you know, Can I just yeah. call you Dr. Feelgood? Can I just call you Dr. Feelgood? Well, you know, so it's one of those things people are like, why do you do this? It's like, well, this is my purpose. This is my passion. I wake up at 4 a.m. and I read medical research. I have for two years, uh, for 10 years. I read for two hours every morning because I'm fascinated by it. And so I like, oh, I learned all these things. And like, so what I'll do is I'll go out and I'll find the people who are really good at that thing Mm -hmm. and I'll funnel people to them. And so that's kind of the way it is. Like I will, if I can't fix you, I'm going to find the guy who can or the woman who can. So I have phenomenal surgeons I work with, great, uh, you know, cancer doctors, you know, heart surgeons. I've got everybody that we work with because I'm like, I can find your problem. But then I had to find the guy or the person who could now fix the problem that I found. And so that's what this whole thing has been is build an amazing team. Like, I, I'm pretty good to talk to if you've spilled your coffee and your day is going kind of rough. <laughs> but if bad things happen, you need a real therapist. And so I went and I got a team of really good therapists to work with us. You know, I, I can run an IV, but you don't really want me to. <laughs> so I got guys who really know the ketamine really well and I gathered them all together and I'm like, we're going to go do great things. And so that team does all that. And I just make sure that we funnel the people to them who need to get help. See, that's amazing. I love that. That is just, you're doing, you're doing such a good job out there. Um, Dr. F- I, I still like it. Dr. Feel good. <laughs> what's in the future for you? What do we got going? What do you, what's um, going on? You know, it's, it's funny because uh, I am so focused on Aura that, you know, I don't, this is the only thing I'm looking at. You know, I'm going to be, I'll be at uh, uh, MJ BizCon on uh, the 30th, but uh, that my whole, my whole world's kind of swirling around, uh, you know, getting people, get, growing this thing as fast as we can and getting to people as quickly as we can, just working with Aura Health. So Beautiful. Tell me, tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can find everything that you want them to go to. 
so TED Talks Easy, just Google, uh, uh, go to, uh, Google or go to YouTube and go Dr. Chalmers Cannabis TED. You should find that one. Uh, all my socials, Dr. Chalmers One. Uh, you know, pillarsofwellness.com is a great place. And then Aura, O-O-R-A dot health and citizenminds.org. That is great. Thank you so much for joining me on Chilling with Ice today. I so appreciate it. But here's the thing. There's one thing that we, I do on my show. Don't go anywhere because I get to do a rapid fire round question for you for all my Patreons. And we will come back and we will do that. And But on this podcast, I want to say thank you again for being on Chilling with Ice. And until next time, peace out. Thank you so much for listening to Chillin' with Ice. And don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Patreon and YouTube at Chillin' with Ice. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow me at lori.ice.fetrick. I look forward to chilling with you next time here on Chillin' with Ice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.